0: Hey now, you're an all star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid. And all
1: that is gold. Only shooting stars break the mold. Welcome to another episode of the NRL Supercoach All Stars podcast. This is Barnsey back again for the preseason series, and this week we've got someone who hasn't been on yet once again, and that is Maddie Person. Perso, you haven't been on a podcast for a while, but you've been across quite a few of them in the past. I think that you've got a, got one in the works for this year, so it's good to get you on the All-Stars podcast, have a bit of a chat and get you to talk about your Tigers for a little bit. Yeah,
0: yeah, but you could be back on the airwaves. Um, yeah, hopefully life doesn't get too busy. I've got a few plans coming up for this season, but uh, good to get some footy back soon.
1: Yeah, Percy used to run the Addicts podcast as well. I used to be on that one. Um, has been on plenty of other ones. Has got some great stats too. He's a Mad Tigers fan, so he's a long-suffering rugby league fan as well. <laughs> By that token, too, I guess,
0: mate. Yeah, mad realist.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, look, we're going to do two parts once again, like the other preseason episodes. The first part of this podcast is going to be talking all about the West Tigers going through their options having a look at a team preview for them and then the second part is going to be all about the New Zealand Warriors where uh, we'll go through all those options for Super Coach, as well as having a little bit of look at, at last season and where we think they'll finish next year so pretty nice podcast because there's a few interesting options but I think personally one of the things with these two teams is it's you know, sometimes I think people get carried away and I know I do it too with I do it with NBA especially, right, because there's 30 NBA teams. So every preseason, I'm I'm loving all the content and stuff. And I see like a team preview of a shit team and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm I'm not really interested in that one. But actually, like those are often the more intriguing podcasts because it's a lot more open slather on guys that can win positions for round one for the start of seasons when it comes to fantasy sports. Uh, And it's a, a lot more cutthroat in you know, you've got the Melbourne Storm who nobody in that spine is going to get dropped and, the, you know, the Roosters and the Pen of Panthers and all these teams, they seem like exciting options for Supercoach to listen about. But really, you know, there's a bit of excitement for teams like the Tigers and Warriors because they could have some bolters that come through.
0: Yeah, for sure. Especially the Tigers at the moment with being um, so uh, poor in centre with Tuleo and Kapoa being gone for a long time. So centre position is pretty well wide open there. But, um Warriors too. If you, uh, both coaches like changing the team around Hoops too, which is not ideal for super coach.
1: Yeah, it's good for Round 1 though, because you can kind of pray for some cheapies, I guess, uh, even if it is for three or four weeks before they get dropped. But um, look, let's focus on your Tigers for the start of this. Now, realistically, just having a look at the season that's passed, there's no sugar coating it. They didn't go too well. But I mean, look, they did beat three other teams, so it's not like they're in the bottom three. Uh, Tigers finished the season in 13th place, 18 points, which was good for eight wins, uh, which was actually, you know, equal wins with both the Warriors and the Dragons that were ahead of them. Points against was the second worst in the league. So certainly defence was an issue. Um, points four, though, they're actually in the top eight for points four. So the top half of the sides for scoring points the Tigers were in. So probably pretty similar to past seasons, really, which is that they can score some points and they've got some good attacking players at times. Uh, but defensively, it's a bit hard and they don't really work very well as a unit. That was probably it last year in a nutshell, would you say? Like they had some some better patches in games where they looked really good. You know, I th- thought Adam Dewey was really good for them before he got hurt. and They had a few little shining lights here and there, you know, but overall, it was just that whole inconsistency factor that we're probably seeing under the Tigers for for several years now.
0: Yeah, 100%, honestly. It was um, fairly frustrating. The... Put in a couple of good performances like when they should have beaten Souths and they were close to beating Power early on, but they just capitulate to other games. The typical Tigers, they've been like that since about 2012. <laughs> but, um, mm. yeah, Dewey was really good last year. Awesome. I don't know how he didn't get best player for the season over Brooks. They gave it to Brooks somewhere, yeah, but Dewey was outstanding. A couple of good young guys coming through too, but um, they just haven't got that core group of hardened guys that just need to win every week. So I expect pretty much more of the same this year to be some good performances and a lot of rubbish in between.
1: Yeah, it seems like they try and buy those guys. Like, they just sort of hedge their bets on the wrong ones. Like, I mean, Tamau wasn't a terrible signing, but I mean, they paid him a lot of money and he's really a bit too far at the end of his career. Now, we can't really see or say what he does for the culture behind the scenes, but I mean, as much impact as he might be having there that we don't know about, it isn't really contributing to their improvement each season since he's been there. But they, they seem to buy those type of guys that just don't really work out. And then you see other veterans that they buy, and you just know from the get-go that they're not going to do anything for their culture. Like B.J. Leilua and James Roberts uh, aren't going to be leaders or do anything for the culture of the Tigers, the veterans.
0: 100%. I, I wasn't too nonplussed about Tom. Um, I thought he'd be fairly good for all the young forwards they do got. But... Um... Biggest thing for me with Tamo is I, I couldn't understand why you know ago a guy captain and you're playing for 35 minutes a week, 40 minutes a week. I'd, mm. uh, for the life of me, I didn't, couldn't understand what Madge's plan was there.
1: Yeah, I mean, Madge is another one that you can bring up too when you're thinking about where the Tigers are going to go next year. I mean, he's going to be under a bit of pressure. Obviously, Sheens has come back into the club, which is probably good, although I'm not sure. You know, a, a coach that has the resume and pedigree that Tim Sheens has... For him to be able to take a back seat to a head coach and let a head coach coach seems like it would be difficult for someone of his stature. And at the same time as well with someone like Madge, Madge is pretty stubborn and is, you know, a very seasoned coach in his in his own right. So it could either, I think it's either going to work really well or it's going to absolutely capitulate to do it. And I don't think there's any really in between with that. And I actually like Madge. I just sort of think that he has to have, a very specific roster and club that is going to work for his style of coaching, and I'm not sure that the Tigers are actually it.
0: Oh, you hit the nail on the head. there, him, he's he's good coach, but he's he's at the moment he's not coaching to the cattle he's got. That's the biggest problem, and I think he gets to a point where he's not quite sure what to do, and he chops and changes aside too much. And maybe Shansey coming back will help him out there. It might release him from being so intense maybe help him play to the cattle he's got. Jones was always that top of coach where he'd adapt to the plays he had, which is why we went so well in 2005. Um, he's a, a, Jones did coach match back in the day too. So mm. it'll go one of two ways for match. He'll, he'll either adapt and it'll go well for him or he'll get punted before the season ends, I reckon.
1: Yeah, I agree with you there. I, I've got them for the next season in that 11 to 16 range, um, the bottom of third of teams, basically. And certainly... I could very easily set them in the bottom four. I mean, look, I think I've said plenty of times that the Cowboys and the Dragons are very much the bottom two for me. But I think the Tigers could be a, a pretty close third there as well. I think they're my bottom three teams at the moment. But probably the Tigers probably have the coaching staff and, and the club staff there and some playing roster changes there that might see them, you know, be a bit better than bottom three. But certainly, you know, if I were to guess, I'd probably say they're going to finish 13th again like they did last year. Yeah, I picked it for
0: 15th. We'll be in the top 15. (laughs) Luckily, luckily the Cowboys are in the comp. I've picked them for the Spoon. I mean, if if everything went magically for us this year, we could finish as high as 9th probably. That's, I'm not, if, we beat the, if we're not in the bottom four, I'll be happy.
1: They need to they need to go and join the NBA, mate, the 30 teams. So top 15 is perfect for that. You're in the top half of the comp, just play the wrong sport. Uh.
0: I'm, I'm not, not expecting that. It's another inconsistent season. There'll be moments where they look all right, and then there'll be other games where they, they or, I don't know, maybe Nathan Kalis coming there might stiffen the defence up a bit, but, I just look at our edges, and I just I just see points galore against us. So, and with Dewey being out for so long as well, that's not not very good as far as our attack goes.
1: Yeah, Dewey's really going to hurt. I mean, like it, it might be even if he comes back around nine or ten or something, like he might not uh, even get back to knew what he was. I think Mitchell's bringing back so. in the
0: centers probably.
1: Yeah, which you know that was a frustration of mine last year too. Like I just thought. Attack-wise, he tries so hard and he really does everything. And, like, that's good for super coaches, which I've spoken about many times and we're going to talk about doing in a moment. But for the team, like, he was throwing tries, he's he's throwing line break assists, he was running the ball, his break breaking tackles, offloading, kicking. He's just doing everything. And then he gets shafted back to centre. Like, it just... Know, the- which
0: was apparently, apparently for his defence. That was, that was what he came out and mm-hmm. said in the post mode, which I didn't really understand. But when your whole team can't defend... Yeah, Like, why move your best player? Exactly. I thought (laughs) it was crazy. (laughs) And as soon as he moved him back there, he killed it again. Well,
1: look, it's it's going to be a hard song to start the season, no doubt doubt about it. Let's have a look at the player movements for 2022 quickly before we talk about super coach options. Uh, Oliver Gildart from the Wigan Warriors has come across with Jackson Hastings, who played with him at the Wigan Warriors. Uh, They're probably two of the bigger signings that they've brought in along with Tyrone Peachy. I was, in, I was quite interested that Stafford Tower came across from the Knights because the Knights seemed to be pretty high on him even a year ago. They were talking about him being a, a guy of the future for them and they've just released him so easily for this season. So I'm not sure what that was about. But the losses, I don't actually think you've lost as much as what you've gained, to be honest. I, I think you've actually gained a little bit more than what you lost. Certainly, uh, Michael Checam has been a, a nice bench um, plug and play when you need him for injuries type of guy. Um, Joey Le Lua, I think you're going to improve by omission. Him not being there, even just being around his teammates, is going to make him better. Yeah. And you know, Moses Embi, I've defended a lot, personally because it's not, it's not really anyone's fault that they get a good contract. You know, if you've got a good manager that does his job, and you get paid eight hundred grand, well, you know, all we'll power to you. I always thought Embi was a, a good guy. It was a, a pretty good teammate that tried hard and probably got a little bit put under the bus because he never really got to try and play his trade in one position, which kind of killed his value altogether. Yeah, he's
0: victim of his own versatility.
1: Mm. No, like, i like, I, I always quite liked him. Um, but you know, a, a few hundred grand, I think the Tigers players, uh, Tigers fans would have probably liked him too. But would you agree? Do you, do you think are you a bit more excited? Do you think that the gains are a little bit better than the losses and overall your team might look a bit better on paper?
0: Yeah, I don't think we've lost much really. I mean, uh, BJ, geez, I hated that signing from the moment we did it. But, um yeah, and boy, like you said, that was a massive money deal he was on and good luck to him. It wasn't his fault. He was signed uh, like under a different coach and stuff at the time. He never really got his look, he didn't know he was he played everywhere. So mm-hmm. on that sort of money and it was hard to sort of see where his role ever was in the side wanted minute he was captain the next minute they were telling him to find something else. So that was pretty hard. But um I like Hastings signing. I think um he was a fairly uh what's the word character type of character that um wasn't reasonably liked in teams and stuff before he went to the UK, but he had a lot of uh head noise and stuff he dealt with. And apparently he's thought from all reports I've seen, he's um had a lot of he's dealt with a lot of that, um, which a lot of it comes. Everyone thinks he's um, Kevin Hastings' son, which he used, but um, I just assumed, like, he grew up with him and stuff, he never grew up with his father, so there was a lot of issues with that from a child and all the rest of it he carried through, being a young bloke coming through and still carrying the, the tag of Horry Hastings' son and all that sort of stuff. It seems like um, he's passed all that stuff and he's matured as a bloke and as a player, so I well, think he's got a lot of proof coming back out of here, so I can see him being quite handy for us.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, let's have a look at the super coach options. Let's talk about guns first. And the, I think the best gun, certainly, for Supercoach was Adam Dewey that we could mentioned. You know, Dewey had a, a great season. Uh, he's one of the guys that I managed to hit on, which was great. I really liked him as a pot at the start of the year. I actually got him in draft as well quite late because he was missing the start of the year, and I took the punt and put him on my bench, and it worked out really well because uh, he missed round one and then came in. But he averaged 77 points a game last year, which was easily his best season. I think that he really showed... Uh, His versatility, not just on the field where he played, but he's certainly his base base attack was a really solid guy that could have the tackle breaks and and offloads. And then adding in goal kicking and then adding in all the clutch attack stuff that he was getting with the line break, try assists, and so forth. You know, it meant that he had a, a stellar super coach season. His top three best scores for the year 154 points, 141 points, and 114 points, with those two big ones coming in as a number six. Uh, but certainly, he still scored well as a centre. It was just more so at six that he really excelled. Uh, and he finished the season off before he got hurt in round 23. He went 154, 80, 97, 86, and 99. That was games when he went back into that number six jersey from round 18 onwards until he got hurt. So 70% of the time, he was 60+. plus. Perso, obviously, we're not going to be able to look at him for round one. You know, that's a given. But it is important to have a look at at all your options for Coach. What you are going to be able to do, though, is look forward when you're planning your team as someone to potentially target down the track because, you know, he's someone who now is a dual centre wing um, and, look, he's 675000 so he's way too expensive, but certainly for that back third of the season, if you can get him a bit cheaper and throw him in your centre wing, I'll, I'd be really excited at centre wing and, to be honest, you know, even at his price tag, if he was playing six, I know it would be the wrong move for round one, but I'd be itching to do it for my centre wing for round one because he was just that good.
0: Oh, he was outstanding. I had him as a for pretty early on last year as well. He was a massive part. Um, yeah, I'm on his out as, for, as a target supporter and for SuperCoach because I'd, <laughs> I'd be the same. I reckon he'd be my one-gun centre wing if, if um, he was playing and locked in at 5'8", but uh, definitely one to watch further down the season. Uh, my only concern is that because we're so weak in the centres, I'd, I'd, and if Hastings and Brooks tend to go reasonably well early, I think Magic putting back in the centres, which he still scored not too bad. He had those uh, six games at centre last year, and his average of sixty four point five. Average of five eight was eighty two. <laughs> so
1: I oh, killed it at six. Yeah, I mean the key's going to be goal kicking. Do you think that he'd end up taking the goal kicking straight back off 100% Hastings? One hundred
0: percent. Hastings isn't much of a. He's not the best goal kicker around, and. That's another thing of Dewey's game. His goal can improved last year. He was pretty outstanding, really.
1: Mm. Well, uh, unfortunately, not be be able to consider him for round one. But, um, yeah, it's needs to mention because he was easily the Tigers' best super coach option last year, and I, I really liked him. Um, but talking about guys that you can have for round one, per so, I do need to mention the Tigers' draw as well. I'd probably say it's, it's an above-average draw. The Teams that they only play once for the year: Storm Panthers, Roosters, along with three other teams. If you're only playing the Storm Panthers, Roosters once in the season, that's a good overall draw. They don't, they don't, they don't um, have the bye around thirteen, so that sucks a little bit. But within the first two months, um, they start off with the Storm, but it's the best time for anyone to play the Storm because they're going to have. Multiple players out, Brandon Smith, Parry, um, Green and Munster are all going to be out of that side. And Tui Kamikamitha might be out long-term as well. So the Storm are going to be very underdone round one and the Tigers have got a really good record against them. And then they hit a really nice spot where they've got the Knights, the Warriors, the Titans and the Sharks. And then they, it gets a little bit harder with Para and South, but then they hit the Dragons. So certainly the first couple of months of footy, uh, it's it, it's a really quite a nice draw for Supercoach. And I, I reckon, you know, before I looked at it, I sort of said to myself, per I don't know if I want that many Tigers in my side. But when I saw the draw, it kind of turned around a little bit on me and, and sort of thought maybe I do want a little bit of a, a piece of the West Tigers for that first couple of months.
0: It's certainly not the worst draw going around, that's for sure. And, uh, yeah, as you touched on, we, prior to last year, we've gone reasonably well against the Storm, even when we haven't beaten them in the last sort of five or six years. We've been right in it. We've upset them a couple of times at their full strength. So realistically... it's um, it's a game that we should be winning with the guys that are out. And then, uh, yeah, as you said, the draw's not too bad. I'll be all watching on the trials to see um, how they go with the new combinations with Hastings and that in the house. But um, I don't have too many Tigers in my side at the moment, but trials may change that.
1: Yeah, I'm the same, but I'm I'm a wait and see with them. But I think that I might end up with one or two of them in my side after I see some trials. Uh, Look, Bit of a controversial chat here, moving off the, the big gun in Dewey to another guy that is looked upon as a gun. But it's funny, I think me and you inadvertently have the same opinion on this one, Stefano Uchikmanu. Now, big Stefano, I'll, I'll say outright had a, had a really good season. You know, in real life and in Super Coach, he was he was quality for what he was. You know, he ended up playing 45 minutes a game and he produced 52 points a game, and he was a cheapie last year. So, I mean, like, I ended up selling him way too early, which really sucked, but I needed the money and people that held got really rewarded because certainly in the back half in particular, he actually started playing really well. And in the last nine games, he started as a prop and he hit 60 plus in only four of them. So, and that was the big caveat for me. Like a lot of people were saying, he started the last nine games last year and he was a beast. And like, he had some big games, but when you're looking at the consistency in the base stats, You know, it just, it wasn't as good as what I think some people want to believe it was. And the big thing for me is that he was already playing 45 minutes on the season. If you have a look a bit closer at how he finished off that year when he was starting, only 60-plus in four of those nine games that he was starting as a number, as a prop, and three of those four that he scored 60-plus in, he actually had a try. So the only time that he could do 60-plus in his last nine games as a starter without a try was one game out of his nine. That's not a great hit rate. Right? Um, he averaged 50 minutes a game as a starter. So even if you look at that person and, and say, you look, his PPM's around 1.16 last year, he's going to be one plus for sure. Say he gets his 50 minutes that he was starting with last year. You know, that as a starter, that's only about five, maybe six points more than what he's actually priced at, which, you know, is a bad. There's a bit of value there as a prop. Um, but I just think as a front-rate forward option, when you're looking at someone who's, Going to be at that price point of 457,000, it's a little bit awkward. You know, if he was sub 400 or 350 for sure, like I'd be a lot more interested. Not saying he's a bad option, Perso. I still averaged 52 last year, probably averages 58 or something this year, but it's probably just not worth it for me to go there. No, oh,
0: he hit the nail on the head, Barnsley. I've um, seen a couple of things floating around in certain groups and stuff on Facebook saying he's an underpriced gun, he's going to, he's a People are expecting to pick his average up by 15 points a game, he's going to be like paint ass. And yeah, I find that quite astounding actually. I'd, I don't call him a trap, but I think he's going to trap a lot of people that are expecting that. If you're expecting to, if you, you're looking to cut because of the, a lot of the guns in the backs, like full backs and halves and stuff that are, are really high priced because of how last season went, if you're looking to, a little bit cut price in a position and you're happy with those sort of 58 points a game, he's not a bad option. It's because props probably one of those positions. It's not going to kill you if you don't pick a pain half. You're only sort of yep. 15 points, 10, 15, 20 points a game behind, whereas in other positions it can really hurt you. But, um, yeah, like post-origin, he averaged 65.88 from eight games. As you said, three of those – yeah, dries in and the only. Was, I was going to touch on the same thing. The only time he scored over sixty without a try all year was in round twenty when he scored sixty two off fifty eight minutes. So it's his um, base stats in those eight games based Origin was only forty eight a game. Yeah, for
1: for a prop forward that's played in the middle, it's it's really quite low, isn't
0: it? Yeah, it is. There's not, nothing outstanding there, and it was you did only average sixty five point eight eight, which post-Origin, which everyone post-Origin was up. That's um, not huge. It's not enough to be jumping out going, "God, oh, this guy's going to kill it in supercatch. And the, the biggest factor for me was, well, he's a gun player. Don't get me wrong. He's an absolute gun. I'm glad we re And um, he's got a lot of potential. But manages is the coach. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he doesn't play his props for, for big minutes. And um, the only one he does is 12 And Beachy sign now, and he, he's in all what they could going to be the 13, so I don't know, I'm not even sure Stefano starts. He might start with Tamo and Twal and then Stefano comes on after 20 minutes when Tamo takes the heat out of the game and then Stefano plays, he's sort of 40 or 45 minutes or so, Twal plays, 55 odd. It's uh, yeah, I, he's certainly not, like, I, I, his ownership is way higher than what it should be, I think.
1: 24% owned at the moment, which is pretty astounding. You know, it's not like he's particularly cheap. And look, I I think I probably speak for Perso as well. I don't think he's a terrible option. Like, I'm not talking him down immensely. I think he's a great player, like Perso said, and I certainly think that he's got ability in super coach. I, I think that the only way that you're going to get good value out of it, though, is if you're going to kind of get lucky and it be one of those points where it's a young guy that takes a massive leap that we weren't... You know, you can't really measure in numbers or statistics. You know, if he has a massive preseason and comes out and just has that leap and becomes a star, which everybody does at some point that becomes a star, has that season. If he's going to be a star and it's this season, then you're going to hit on him and it's going to be good. You know, maybe he'll score sixty-five and be a gun. But the the realm of possibility of that happening when you're playing the percentages seems pretty low. So I just don't. I just don't see the risk reward there. I think I'd rather take the risk on some other guys. And like you said, it's a really good point, Per. So when you're looking at front row forwards, I don't think they're the guys that you bother to take the risk on. You may as well pay somewhere else where if you hit, you hit big, not if you hit, you hit, you know, a, a 62, 63 points a game instead of your 58, you know, like it's just not really going to move the needle for you too much. So I, I don't, I get the excitement of Stefano in real life, I think it's probably bleeding the super coach a little bit too much for me. And I think he's going to be solid, but I don't think that he, I think a lot of people will be disappointed with their expectations is probably the fairest way to, to end on him.
0: Yeah, very similar to Christian Welch for me. know, it's same mm. great player, but he just doesn't get the minutes consistently enough to be a great supercoach player, which is what you need as a middle forward. I mean, again, on Stefano, 56, he averaged 56 minutes post-origin for 48 base, and then his, his base attack did improve a bit from earlier in the season, but there's nothing screaming out at you going, "Geez, you've got to pick this bloke. Like, if he doesn't get a couple of tries, he's just going to get you, like any number of other guys in the front row, are going to get you 55 to 58 points a game.
1: Exactly right. And look, probably the other thing to mention overall for the West Tigers is some of the predicted lineups have got four forwards on the bench. So, I mean, you know, if if that happens, and it, it may not, but if it does, you know, you, you're probably going to have three middles on the bench. And that's, that's just a killer for the whole middle rotation, really.
0: Oh, 100%. You, you will have, you'll have three middles on the bench for sure, I reckon.
1: Yeah, so uh, I'm I'm against Stefano, not not saying he's the worst buy ever, but I'm I'm not gonna be owning him and I'm not gonna consider him. Uh for round one anyway. Let's talk a little bit about the pods here, Perso. So interesting. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about the wingers first. Okay. Mamolo and Nofo. Nofo Luma and Mamolo. Are two wingers of the past that have been guns at times. Certainly Mavolo just had the one season where he was a 60 plus, but Nofo Luma has a long history of being a great super coach option. Both of them were, were underwhelming once again. So let's firstly have a look at Nofo. He's coming in at least as the, the lowest price that he's been pretty much forever since he came on board as a gun. So I mean, that's a plus. Um or certainly since 2018, I think it's the last time he was priced at this point, but 2019, he had a 65 average. 2020, he was 76 points. Um, and 2020, he was absolutely outstanding. 2021, he's dropped all the way from 76 down to 53. So a 23-point drop in performance, which is absolutely massive. Uh, what that means is when you have a look at purchasing him, and I don't think many people are interested in him at all, he's going to come in at the poultry sum of 467000 which is really cheap for no faluma. 3% ownership, so nobody's looking at him at all. Uh, I've spoken on all the podcasts with everybody per se that there's a gluttony of 400 to 500k price range options. All of them could be phenomenal or have been phenomenal in the past or have a bright future. So it's a, it's going to be a real battleground for Supercoach for the early rounds on which one of those foundation pieces for your centre when you choose. Nofaluma is, is in that price category. Um, 13 tries in 24 games last year. In the 2020 season, 17 throws in 20 games and his base is down a full five points on that 2020 season when you're comparing his base attack was also down. Um, so really that 23 points per game drop, that is all about the drop in his clutch attack and the drop in his base attack, which really, which really killed him. Can you see any realm of, of possibility that he brings some of that clutch and base attack back for this 2022 season? And in which case, you know, you'd, even just hedging your bets halfway between what he did the year before, he's going to be maybe 10 to 12 points undervalued if that's the case. Yeah,
0: he was um, pretty disappointing last year. He's been one of my first picks for the last couple of seasons on Love and off the super coach, and you know, an But um But I was actually surprised. I thought he's offloaded went away a bit last year, but he actually offloaded more than he did in 2020 when I went through the stats earlier this over. So it was more His raw base went down by six points a game, which is pretty big for a centre wing. In 2020, his um, raw base was 31 points a game, down to 25.5. Last year, his um, base attack was actually pretty similar, but uh, obviously the clutch attack, like that was – that 2020 season, he had 17 tries, 7 try assists, 19 line breaks and 3 line break assists. Last year, he had 13 tries, 9 line breaks, 1 line break assist, no try assists. So he definitely wasn't as involved. He was The 2020 season, he was creating tries himself from nowhere. So I'm not sure what sort of happened last year. They didn't go to him as much. And uh, it's interesting with the Marlo coming there because he's another sort of um, base winger. likes taking the hit-ups and stuff. I did uh, did notice it <laughs> since Marmolau came. Like Noffa faded away to buggery in the last season. Pre-Origin, he was still averaging sixty-two from the first twelve games of the year, mm. and most of his tries came in that time. He got two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight of those thirteen tries came in the first twelve rounds. Um, once Marmolau arrived in round fifteen, so from ten games with Marmolau on the side, Noffa ever averaged forty-six point nine.
1: That tells a big story, doesn't it? I ended up buying him post around 17 by because they had a run of games where they finished the season hitting the Broncos, the Seagulls, the Warriors, the Bulldogs actually played twice, and the Cowboys and Sharks and and the Panthers. So they had a lot of good games there, and I thought he was going to actually score well. And those two Bulldogs games, remembering the Bulldogs were the worst in the league um. and conceded the most (laughs) points from memory, 29 points and 26 points. So he averaged 28 points across his two Bulldogs games, which was just a killer.
0: The last five games of the year, he averaged 33 for the last five games. It was terrible.
1: Yeah. And and again, those last five games, Bulldogs, Cowboys, Sharks, Panthers, Bulldogs, you know, you would buy anyone for that run. It's an outside back, let alone a guy like the Faluma, and he gives you that average. You know, it's just, and that's probably the scariest part. You know, I think that you could probably throw away, the overall numbers, and you could even probably get on board with a a story of, oh, I think he's going to bounce back because 53 is really low. Um, certainly, I think he can do 63, and he's got a good draw to start, and you could probably start to talk yourself into it. But the problem is, if you look at that good draw he had last year, he was just terrible. So they, that's probably the biggest turnoff for me with NOFA.
0: Yeah, and interestingly, I would presume that um, Hastings will play right edge half mainly too, so we'll wait and see what difference that may make or may not make. But um, yeah, Dewey was the most attacking player on the side predominantly right last year and he was dishing out that.
1: Yeah, and and Hastings does like to run a little bit as well. I'm not sure how well um, he'll go with his winger on that side as far as creating things for Nofaluma. So yeah, (laughs) look, I... I, I, I would like to see a bounce back. Um, I'm going to say I, I'm not sure it's going to happen, and, and if it does, maybe it's to 58 points or something, and not enough. Uh, but I'll certainly be watching him. I mean, if he if he passes the eye test, and the, I think if the if the Tigers are going well, I think Nofo is going well. So it'll be interesting overall for the team, I reckon, Persa.
0: Yeah, hopefully it had nothing to do with the resigning for four years or whatever it was last year.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we all know the, the strike rate on those put ones. The, put, so put the Q in the rack and it's
0: just regression for me.
1: Uh, well, look, he's only 28 years old. So, I mean, he's really, he's still in his prime years. So, he should be going pretty well. Um, let's talk about Momolo for a minute here. So, Momolo, I think, contrary to popular belief, which we've said the last couple of seasons on, on these podcasts, he only actually had one gun season, which was 2019. It was still only 60 points. And the season last year where, you know, really for Nofo and Mamalolo, the big thing is that it was a season that was overall up in attacking stats. So you'd expect them to be better than what they were. Um, 55 points a game. So it's almost identical to what he did in 2020. I think that when you break it down a little bit for Momolo, uh for the Tigers, he actually had seven tries in 11 games that he played for him, which is actually pretty good. His average was only about mid-40s. It was only like 45. Yeah,
0: bang on 50 in 10 games.
1: Yeah, well, it's, it, his base dipped quite a bit as well. Um,
0: yeah, 100%, which I think it's probably him and Nofaluma probably cancel each other's base out a bit.
1: Yeah, and uh, I think the biggest takeaway from Mamalo for me was that even if he scores the tries, it's not going to be, it's not going to be great anyway. So, I mean, it, it's a bit hard because you get a team that's got a draw like the Tigers, you kind of look at guys like Mamalo and Nofo and sort of try and pick one that's going to excel. But Momolo was scoring tries, and it, and it really made no difference. He, he's zero percent owned, and he's four hundred seventy-eight thousand, almost identical price point to Nofaluma. So, I mean, again, the the Tigers were in the top half of the of the league last year in attack. You'd expect one of their wingers to excel on a starting draw for the first two months. But I, I, I'm wondering whether because Dewey is out, and because Hastings is there, and they've got a little bit of a different makeup. Maybe it's more of a conventional attack where the outside backs do get more tries. Um, do, you, do you see either of these wingers being able to capitalise and score some points?
0: It's a great unknown at the moment, too, especially with the centre pairings. That's the, that's the, that's the, the biggest factor for them as well, as well as Hastings in the halves. And, yeah, but look, more, uh, he's one of those guys, he's always a good base. Like he's right up there as a base for um, centre wings. He tends to go on these runs. So you pick him up at the right time where you average 80-odd or something for over four weeks and then Josh back down to his sort of 50, 60 for the year. So he's one of those guys, if you can pick at the right time, you can make you a bit of money and score some points. But I definitely wouldn't be looking at him for round one myself.
1: Yeah, a bit, a bit hard to look at either of them. I, I do think Mamala and Nofo are going to have some draft value because I think that you'll get them pretty late in your drafts a lot of a lot of people were strategized to leave their centre wing till late. So you can probably get them in the last, maybe even the last few rounds because people are so off those two now. Uh, and certainly that's going to be value for draft teams. Last one for the big balls pods. And he is a big balls pod, but Hooker's a troublesome position per so. I don't think there's any two ways about that. Obviously Harry Grant's at the top of the pecking order. Hooker's dropped down a little bit. Uh, Marnie went well last year, but he's injured and he's leaving the Parramatta Eels. So There's certainly not a lot of depth in hooker to consider. And what I'm finding is not many people are looking at other options. And I completely get that. There was a question online just a couple of days ago, you know, what about doing a pod move and running two garnish hookers or spending on a second hooker? And I was sort of against it only because Randall's going to make so much money, but you do need to consider the options a little bit. Um, Jacob Little I'm interested in your take in a minute because there seems to be pretty split on some of the Tigers fans I talk to. Some people really like him. and Other people actually don't like him and are sort of a bit sick of him because he's been around for a while now and they sort of were hoping for more than what he's produced. But he did score 55 points a game last year in 65 minutes. Uh, so that is worth noting. He is sub 500 in his price point. So you can grab Jacob Little as a hooker at the moment for 480,000. Interesting stat, Perso, when he was playing 80-plus minutes, which was you know a reasonable amount of his games, he averaged 64. So 64 per game is nothing to sneeze at. It's around about nine points better than what he's priced at as well. And he's got the mic a little bit better, so you could probably say if he's going to play 80, he's probably 10, 11 points underpriced. Uh, that's, that's all of a sudden not too bad. Now, I'm not someone who wants to spend on a second hooker, and I'd rather go up in money to a cook or something for 80 grand more. So it doesn't really have the value appeal at his price point, but he does have a good draw. If they do name a four forward bench, you know, could you see him A, playing 80 minutes and B, maybe hitting a bit more promise that he's shown, you know, as a junior and actually improve a little bit to, to be a bit of a gun?
0: He can definitely play 80 minutes. Um, yeah, and no, as you said, no, seven games last year, average being on 64. It'd be interesting... To see what, look, I think there will be at least three middle forwards on the bench. I don't know if he's going to run with Simpkins on the bench for um, as a reserve hooker. I think Peachy will start at 13. Whether he slots in for a bit at Hooker as well, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens through the trials if you get any indication towards that. But um, is that, yeah, I don't know if he's got the upside, as he said, at that price. Like For an extra 80K, you can get Cook, who I think has got a lot more upside than what Little's got. it was pretty much the first full season he's put together in his career last year. So he'd be better for that, better with the off season. I'll be interested to see how he goes, especially if um, Hastings takes control and he's got an organising half as well. That might take a bit of pressure off him as well. With Sheen's back, does he have any more influence on getting them a bit more of a running game because he does have a good running game, but he sort of doesn't use it a hell of a lot. But um, I don't know, He's wouldn't be the worst if you were looking for it, but you you're sort of taking on a, of trust that he might get some attacking stats early on with that target draw I suppose
1: yeah and this is something that he did show like he had a decent base but he, he he shown that he can attack he scored a few tries that were really good ones as well and backing up and stuff for line breaks like I think that he showed that he's got a, a knack for hitting some attack. so certainly the draw and getting 80 minutes it could open up for him Um, I'm going to do what I've done on so many of these options are these pod options and say uh, his best value is going to be in draft. I, I like leaving if I don't get one of the, one of the better hookers early on and certainly it's really grant and then cook sort of falling away as well in draft. I kind of rather wait. And if I'm going to wait, you know, little someone that will really go under the radar as well. Um, it can be a value pick in your draft, but for classic, it, it, I'm not a fan of running the two hookers. If you did like, running him as a second, I could actually see it working out, but it is a big balls move and it's uh it's it's quite a huge one because he's going to be like zero percent owned almost so yeah it's um it's not particularly cheap. Look when we're having about when we're talking about cheap, let's talk about the cheapies and mids. Jackson Hastings, three hundred fifty thousand. He's a half back 5'8 jewel, which is really interesting because that's super handy. He's in 31% of teams at the moment. So certainly not going under the radar. Um, he's projections on Supercoach for from to average like 40 across his first three rounds. So not really high. Um, and you can't really base too much off his stats because really, you know, he was playing off the bench a lot at the Roosters beforehand. Um, certainly over in Wigan, it's a little bit different than here, so I'm not sure it translates too much. He was certainly getting clutch attack stats in, in the Super League. Certainly improved as a player. But I guess per se, when you're looking at him, there's there's two big questions. It's one are we going to actually see that improvement translate to the NRL game because he did it in the super league and two, at his price point of 350,000 uh, is it worth putting him in there or are you better off just putting, you know, a gun in there at around that 500 K mark, which you can do, or just looking at sort of dual cheapies if you can. Um, that's uh, it's sort of an awkward price point almost, you know, if you're sub 300, I think it'd be a lot easier the goal kicking, though, is a big kicker, right? Because if he goal kicks, it's extra points. But then when Dewey comes back, he'll probably lose it. Does he make enough money in that time? A lot of question marks on Hastings and not really many numbers to have a look at.
0: Yeah, there's no numbers at all. Um, last time he was in the NRL it was a different, like it was almost a different era. So uh, the game's changed so much in the last couple of seasons. Can't really pay much attention to any of those stats. You can never pay much attention to the UK Super League when it, in correlation with the NRL. So you're sort of taking on trust, but he is pretty cheap. And I touched back again, what I said earlier with uh, a lot of the guns and key positions being so heavily priced at the moment. 5.8 is probably another one of those positions that you could probably take a bit of a punt on and um, say, pick a Hastings and an Ilias and go a little bit cheaper there and go for a few uh, value for money. Got Munster, I think will probably be the best eight this year. He's out round one. Walker, is unbelievable, but is he due for a little bit of a regression season this year? There's a lot of question marks, man, with how he's going to go without Reynolds and without Bennett, for that matter, as well. And with a couple of young... Well, Latrell's out. You've got uh, Taff at back and Ilias at half back. How's he going to go without Supercoach boys? So, aside from that, five eight's not really... There's not a lot of guys jumping out to be picked in the gun category, so you could possibly... Take a bit of a punt on Hastings. Uh, that with the Tigers' draw, you might do enough to sort of get you uh, along the sort of 40s, 50s on a bad week. Get a couple of tries, just maybe try or so and get some early points. And Dewey won't be back till a, at least round eight. So he's, if he's goal kicking, he's going to be made his money by then anyway, probably. So that's a he, he could be worth a punt.
1: Yeah, if your average is about 50, you're going to get your 100k. So I mean. That's uh, it's not too hard for him to do, um, so I definitely agree that he's an option. I think people should consider him. Um, probably depends on the sort of build that you've got, really. But yeah, you can you can definitely put him in there. He's definitely an option. Uh, I just I'd probably temper my expectations a little bit. There's a chance if he doesn't go that well. I, I don't like that he's under Madge because I can see Madge putting him in, uh, back to fourteen or three games in if he goes really badly. Um, that's something that's a little bit of a worry, I guess.
0: Yeah, it, it, Madge keeps sapping on about his versatility. He said, it, "Look at every press conference that comes up, and he's talking about Jackson Hastings." So that wouldn't surprise me at all. Touch of death versatility
1: under Madge. <laughs> you know what he's talking about. That rather say that you, you'd rather hear Madge say he's the most one-dimensional player ever. Is if you put him out of the six jumper, he's going to be shit out. So that would be really great. But, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, not. So yeah, look, Hastings is definitely worth a punt. Three hundred fifty k. I think the kicker for me that makes me consider him is uh, goal kicking and draw. Those are the those are probably the two things. If he didn't have the goal kicking and he had a below average draw, I think I would be shying away from Jackson Hastings. But because he does tick both those boxes, I think he's a pretty good one to consider. Uh, a couple of other ones that are a lot harder to consider. The guy that came over from Wigan with him, Gildart, he's going to be potentially named in the centres. He's two hundred eighty thousand. That's pretty cheap. Uh, you know, we're talking about uh, a lot of a lot of people are saying there's a, there's a lot of cheapies, but realistically, it's a lot of mid ranges that are probably going to be available. And people are jumping on guys like Cobbo for three hundred twenty thousand and a few others at three fifty and so forth. That's not exceptionally cheap. So, I mean, 280, that's a pretty good price point. And there might not be many guys around that price point of 280 and below that are going to be a starting centre round one. Does have a good draw, has played for England a few games. Um, his stats in Wigan. He scored about 50% of the time, um, quite a few tries. 2015 to 2021 where his Wigan appearances, 129 games, 61 tries. Pretty, pretty damn good strike rate, really. But again, Perso, we've seen so many times that the guys that translate well from, from the Super League over here are generally forwards. The backs always struggle. Like I'll never forget uh, four or five years ago, the Gold Coast Titans signed, and the name escapes me, um, the national um, centre for, for the England side, um, and he, he didn't even get a, much of a game. We had Zach Hardica, who is phenomenal over there in the Super League, come over and basically play off the bench or left right out or a couple of games at centre for the Panthers. And then he ended up back in England. You know, these guys just don't generally work out as, as centres or wingers. There was a great Joe Burgess experiment at my Roosters massive arguments. I had that six odd years ago about how, why are you all by Joe Burgess? You know, he's, he, he may very well not even start on the wing for the Roosters and he, he had a really good three try outing and then he was back, you know, in reserve grade. So, yeah, it's the the history isn't good for guys like Gildard, But two hundred and eighty k is a bit hard to pass up if you're starting round one.
0: Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, as it, look, in the inner, inner era, earlier, the outside backs from the UK have just, as you said, predominantly struggled. I think the only one I can think of that did any any well at all was Brian County at the Knights. That, as outside of him, every single one of them that's come over has struggled. Even Sam Tompkins when he was. Um, Mm. Playing fullback and he's not an outside back. He's a fullback. He struggled at the Warriors at a decent first season and then the second season fell away and went home. Um, it it's very tough for them to make the transition out here because it's uh, not very defence orientated. The UK Super League, I think that's what the outside backs struggle with when they come to the NRL. They just they can't defend. Um, I don't have a lot of. Like, if we were at full strength, I think Gildart would start in first grade. I think uh with Talia's out and Kapawa's out, so I think um he probably would have started him in Reggie's getting through the New South Wales Cup before he comes in, see so how he goes. It's a great unknown. The trials will be a great watch for him to so see how he goes. But um if he's named in the sword, which is a fair chance because 'cause we're so thin at centre wing. Um two eighty K, like you said, I don't think there's not going to be a lot of bottom dollar cheeries in the centre wing. There's, there's a heap of guys in that next bracket. Uh, he falls in. So not, you've got to just take on trust and look at the draw and stuff. Uh, he, if he scores a couple go tries early, he's going to make money and then you get rid of him. So, definitely worth consideration.
1: Yeah, worth a consideration. Um, the other guy that could get that centre spot is in a few different predicted sides for round one for the Tigers, and that's young Kai. Um, he's only a, a bottom price rookie. So, I mean, I know very little about William Kai. Um have you got have you got much on him? Do you think that he's potential to potentially, you know, start instead of Guildard or alongside him in the centres? I mean, you've got two centre spots up for grabs. It'd be great if we could get a, a bottom dollar one like this bloke.
0: Yeah, he's probably one of the genuine bottom dollar chances. I think trials will be there. at, at, at the moment, it's looking like Roberts and um Guildard will get the get the roles. But um there's another guy too that's always signed, Junior Tupai. He's at one one eighty eight k's. Apparently, he's, he'll be in the mix as well. So it could be wide open. That center, I and mean, if, if Jimmy the Jet didn't have a contract five or six months ago. he got a train and trial, and now all of a sudden he's locked in as a center because of Kepoa going down. So I, I don't know. It towers there as well. I, I wouldn't. He'd have to be a chance as well. So. Be very, you be definitely value in the Tigers center wing of interesting to see which way it goes.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd hate to be buying two of them. Like, could you imagine having Gildard and Kai both as your two set two of wings yeah. for the Tigers? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I think you just have to go with the cheapest one if that happens. I couldn't stomach up both of them, uh, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Look, a, a bit of a left field mid ranger that's there, and I say this because this is a guy that I've loved. Since he first made his debut for the Tigers, I really enjoyed seeing him make his debut. Old school um, prop with some tackle-breaking ability that likes to offload. Thomas Michale, Um He's looked like he might have busted out for a couple of years now, and yet he still doesn't quite get the job to start. Now, there is probably a, a third of the pretty good teams that I've seen at times over the last few months that have had has actually had McKayley starting. I don't know how accurate that is at all. I'll say that outright. But he only got to start a couple of games last year in the 10 jersey. Or Actually, sorry, he got to start three games at prop. Um, the last two games are the best because he played 54 and 48 minutes and you kind of think that's probably going to be the role if he starts. And I always find it promising in, in the end of the, 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 the season before, coaches that have nothing to play for are trialling combinations potentially for the following season or giving guys jobs to see if they'll take them. and he scored 56 and 57 points across those two games, which is pretty solid. Um, And he did that averaging about 48 in raw base. And his base attack's always been something good because he can have a few tackle breaks and a couple of offloads in a really good game. So hard because I think he's got the potential. And at the moment, he's only priced on a 35-point average from playing 34 minutes. It's a very, very clear 15-point uptick if he's a starter. And for that price point of 300K as a front row forward, you know I'd much rather have him than Kamano. even if they were both starting I'd certainly choose Michaelley over him if I was convinced that he was going to get those minutes. um I guess the trap part of that person is if it's a four forward bench, maybe it doesn't matter if he starts and if it isn't um and he's starting then hopefully he sticks there uh but certainly i uh, he'll have my attention if he's starting at three hundred k as a second front row forward option because I think that he's got the makings. To, to be a pretty gun super coach player given the opportunity only at the ripe age of twenty-four this season.
0: Yeah he's got plenty of potential. He's um struggled with the injury. He gets every time he starts going a rut, he seems to get some not nothing major, but he gets a niggle that he's out for a few weeks. Uh first, I, I think he's no chance of starting. Um those couple of games last year, the last two I was looking at before was myself at with 56 and the 57. Tigers are that decimated with injuries. Their bench was Tom O'Mane, Tuolagi, Simkin and Offer and uh Seaforth swapped in for for Tuolagi in the last game. So they were pretty, they were stretched pretty thin. Um yeah, he I don't think he's any chance of starting. If the Tigers are fully fit, you could Tamo and Twal and Utica So I think he's no chance. Musgrave is back as well. So
1: yeah, it's it's funny, too, because they've got Bloor. I know it's an edge rather than a middle, but they've got Bloor that's gone down. And you mentioned that Tyrone Peachy could start at 13. I'm just wondering if uh, Madge is is looking at different options on his edges, and if he is and Bloor's not there now, which is really unfortunate for Bloor that he's got that knee injury. Do you think there's any real possibility they're going to go back to the Peachy on an edge experiment? Like Peachy's played on an edge, especially early in his career, before he moved into the 13 role. He's quite good there because obviously he's played one out at centre anyway, but he can can attack pretty freely out there, get a lot more one-on-one with guys, use his footwork and stuff. I don't think he's that player anymore anyway. But, I mean, if if something like that happened, it is a bit out of the box, but it isn't out of the realm of possibility. That all of a sudden frees up that middle rotation because then all of a sudden you've got 12 starting at 13 and then that opens things up in that front row forward rotation a little bit. So I haven't heard anything. I'm just spitballing because, you know, who's going to start on that edge for ball now?
0: Oh, it'd be Garner. It'd be Garner and Le again last
1: year. I wasn't sure whether Garner like, sort of fell out. You know, Madge seemed to get frustrated with him at times. I, I don't mind him, but Madge, I seemed to get the impression there was a few stories maybe that he was a bit frustrated, maybe with his defence, or I wasn't sure. Yeah, yeah the trial
0: line defence is fairly ordinary. That that was where that came from. Um, but he was, yeah, I'd say he was slot back in. Bloor was a massive blow. Tulagi's the other one, but they're talking about it's a chance to take that spot. Poochie wouldn't shock me, but I just know they've been um, every Tigers press conference and stuff. Been watching them saying he's 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 going to be the third one. So they're looking for a, a, a new. They need something and attack. The Tigers, <laughs> especially with out, so I think they're having the Poochie is that roving lock. And the the way the team seem to be going, the ball playing lock coming back. I think it'll definitely be him there.
1: Well, it's going to be interesting to see because, I mean, look, we've spoken about all these options and some of them might be okay under the right circumstances. A lot of them are wait and see. At the end of the day, when you go through it, there isn't really a lot that you'd say, yeah, probably want to go there for round one. So the Tigers are a bit of an enigma to start the season. I think that they're going to be a team that you monitor rather than put guys in your side for for round one. Uh, I do need to take a break now to mention the fantastic sponsor of the All-Stars podcast, Top Sport. They a great partnership with Top Sport. They are 100% Australian-owned bookie as well, all Australian-based. They often have best odds in market as well, which is great. And you'll often find some great future bets popping up on there at the moment. They're putting more and more markets on by the week for the NRL, which is great. You bet on the All-Star game on uh, on Saturday night. You've got the dollar forty-five favourites in the Indigenous side. It's probably a decent points here to, to give to the Maori side. I reckon it might be a bit closer than what that line suggests. But... Futures bets are great. You know, to miss the top eight and make the top eight and make the grand final, top four, they've got it all. And there's going to be potentially some exciting announcements on some new markets before the NRL season kicks off too. So if you do like to have a punt, make sure you do it responsibly, but make sure that you open an account with Top Sport. Go to www.topsport.com.au. And make sure that you use it, this podcast promo code. Really important because then they'll know that you came from the podcast and you're one of our listeners. They'll know what you just did, and they know to take care of you because Barzy sent you over there. So use SC All Stars, all one word, and getting there on Top Sport. They're fantastic. Now that's the Tigers done, Perso. So that's that's part one of the podcast, guys. Part two of the podcast is going to be the Warriors, and me and Perso are going to be dissecting that. Make sure that you do follow us on Twitter as well: NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. And you can download us on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud and give us a follow on there as well and a like. And then that way you'll get notifications of the podcast coming straight away. But keep on listening. Uh, part two will be out very shortly after this one within 48 hours. And we'll be chatting the Warriors with myself and Perso. So we'll chat to you again soon. Hey now, you're an all Get
0: your game on. Go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on. Get.